The Holy Gospel according to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. I was visiting with a guy who told me that he thinks this whole Easter thing that those of us who are Christians got all excited to celebrate last Sunday is, in his words, a Cinderella story. He thinks that it's a fairy tale, that it's not true. He thinks that it's just kind of a wishful thinking kind of thing that people believe in order to make themselves feel better when somebody dies. We had a good conversation. I hope we talk again. Today, on this second Sunday of Easter, we come to the signature story in the Bible when it comes to that disciple of Jesus who, going on 2,000 years now, has still not been able to shake the nickname Doubting Thomas. Because according to the Bible, when the other disciples told him that Easter had happened, he thought it was a wishful thinking, fairy tale, Cinderella kind of story. I like Thomas. I actually love Thomas. He wants to know the truth. And he wants to know that any truth he gives his life to is a truth that is truly true, as opposed to being just part of a recruitment speech or a, or a, a campaign slogan or something. So today we're going to dig into this story about which has now for almost 2,000 years sat right at the top of Thomas's profile page, even though he has tried many times to delete it. But every time he does, his laptop freezes, and then when he, that happens, he has to reboot, and then it's back there again. It's a Facebook issue, apparently, but Zuckerberg won't return his calls. In addition to being on his profile page, 
This story is found in John chapter 20, starting at verse 19, which picks up right where we left off last Sunday on Easter morning. Now it is the evening of that same day. As John writes, on the evening of that day, the, ver the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Definitely something to stop and notice here before we go on. This all takes place, as I told you, on Easter evening, which means that at this point in the story, all of the other disciples had already been told by Mary Magdalene that Jesus was alive and that they, she had seen him because he had appeared to her in the garden outside of his tomb that very morning. And yet here they all are locked and huddled in that room, says John, for fear. Because why? Because they didn't believe a word of it. Thomas was not the only one. They were all doubters. The first response of every single one of Jesus' first followers is some variation or another of nope, no way, can't be true, sounds like a fairy tale Cinderella story. To me, you're just wishfully, naively thinking that so you can feel better about the fact that he died. Back to verse 20, John 20, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then, not before then, but then, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he said to them again, peace be with you. Something else to notice. The very first Easter present, that not the Easter bunny, but Easter Jesus brings to his frightened followers and friends is actually not eternal life it's peace, the peace of God, the peace of God, which elsewhere is called that peace which passes all understanding because it can be found nowhere but in God, even midst, no matter what frightful thing you're facing or fearing or going through here and now in this life. For these are the risen Christ's first Easter words to his disciples, including that unnamed disciple who is you. Peace be with you. Skipping ahead to verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And this is when dear Thomas speaks the words that have stuck to him as his lasting nickname and have trolled him online and elsewhere ever since. He said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas insisted on more than their say-so. Seeing is believing, he told them. So no, he wasn't the only doubter, but he was a doubter who didn't just think his doubts. He said what he thought right out loud and in all caps. And what he thought on that first Easter evening was that these 10 guys and Mary Magdalene and the rest of these women too were several salads short of a church basement potluck, if you know what I mean. They were wishful thinking dreamers. <laughs> 
who were telling and believing Cinderella stories rather than dealing with the cold and hard and painful truth. Which, by the way, is, is an appearance in this story, again, by our old friend Irony. As the one disciple, boldest in his insistence that they man up and face up to the truth, is the only one here at this point who doesn't believe the truth. Because Thomas didn't believe. And he told them so. He told them that the resurrection was never going to be true in his mind until he saw the risen Jesus with his own eyes and touched his wounds with his own fingers and placed into that gaping wound in his side his own hand. Well, be careful what you ask for, right? John 20, verse 26, eight days later, that would have been the following Sunday, that would have been tonight. Think about that tonight. Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, what? Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believe me. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I love this scene. The doubter meets the one he doubted. And Jesus is direct with Thomas, but he so obviously loves Thomas doubts and all. Because why? Because he comes looking for him. Doubts and all. He comes and finds him. Doubts and all. Thomas doubts don't, in this part of the story, distance him from Jesus. Thomas doubts at this point drew Jesus to him like a magnet. This is called grace, right? Thomas doesn't find Jesus through his faith. Jesus finds him in his doubt. And he gives him what he needs, actually gives him way more than anything he needs to move from doubt to faith. Which, of course, takes us to you and me, some of you anyway, being like me in that we want to know what is the truth. Which, of course, includes <clears throat> the truth in some of our cases that we, some of us, have wrestled. Some of us are even maybe wrestling right now in some ways with doubts of our own. And to tell you the truth, we would love to have Jesus show up here and give us the same, see it with our own eyes, certainty that he showed up and gave Thomas. But instead, what do we get? We get what for Thomas wasn't enough. We don't get to see Jesus alive. We get the words of others telling them they saw Jesus alive. Well, except there's one more thing you and I are given as well. One thing that Thomas didn't get when he doubted it was true. We, thank God for this, we are given the testimony of Thomas saying it's true.
in our doubts, in other words. We, and I do thank God for this, we are given the testimony of a doubter. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, we have the testimony of a whole room full of former doubters who left that locked upper room to turn the world upside down with the message that Jesus died and rose again and who, in at least several of their cases, went to their own deaths proclaiming that truth when they could have saved their lives by simply saying, okay, it's not true, it's a Cinderella story, we made it up. But they didn't do that. Did you hear Peter in that first lesson that Adele read? Had the chance to, don't say that, wouldn't stop saying that. After Easter, a tiny group whose leaders were uneducated Galilean fishermen took the world on and turned it upside down because those first doubters had stopped doubting. The fearful weren't afraid anymore. Those who were hiding from the world lest they be found went into the world to make Christ known. And when my inner doubter, my inner Thomas, he and I talk, we actually have a good relationship, but when he on occasion over the years has tried to suggest to me that nothing happened on Easter, one thing my inner believer has said in response is, yeah, but then explain to me. And, and do this beyond a reasonable doubt. How such a turn-the-world-upside-down tsunami of faith happened immediately after Easter. Now, of course, you can, you can always say, and my inner Thomas has said to me, well, yeah, sure, but who's to say it wasn't just a big conspiracy by those first followers who convinced people to believe gullible things like their Cinderella story? It's a good question. It's, a, it's a, especially a good question if it's asked sincerely, but that's the thing about, about my inner doubter. He's actually a pretty sincere guy. He just, like Thomas, when it comes to truth that he'll give his life to, he'd like to be as sure as he can that the truth is truly true. But when I think about that good and sincerely asked question, the question about whether or not Easter wasn't maybe in fact a big conspiracy thing by those, those first followers, I find myself wondering what exactly was their motive supposed to have been for doing that? Because it's pretty clear, by and large, documentably clear that those first followers of Jesus didn't gain anything in this world for doing that. On the contrary, there's strong historical evidence that they were violently persecuted for doing that. In some of their cases, Peter, for example, there's strong historical evidence that they were violently killed for doing that. There are actually traditions that all but one of them were violently killed for their testimony, but to be true, fair, some of those stories are a little later in origin, so you can't say that with complete certainty. But there is no, there is not anywhere historical evidence that a single one of them ever recanted. There, Jesus is alive and we saw him with our own eyes testimony. Though in certainly most and quite probably all of their cases, they could have avoided the persecution and or suffering and or martyrdom that they faced just by not saying that anymore. They didn't stop. 
They kept saying it. And they did so even when it cost them everything the world has to offer. And sure, there are people in the course of history who have died for the sake of fiction, for the sake of something not true. I mean, goodness, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John aren't true, then countless Christian martyrs from the second century on, including those Easter Sunday worshipers in Sri Lanka just a week ago, have died for the sake of an elaborate hoax. But what do you do with the first century martyrs? What do you do with those who supposedly wrote the fiction and then paid such a price? Would they all, would you, be willing to suffer and die for something you knew to be a lie? I, for the life of me, totally can't completely understand everything about Easter. It's the mother of all miracles, after all. The miracles, by definition, are beyond reason, and Easter is surely beyond my ability to reason. But I believe it. I've gotten to the point I almost can't help it. I doubt my doubts a lot more than I doubt my faith anymore. And I doubt... I truly doubt that conspiratorial or disillusioned or crazy first century believers created Easter. I think that in the first century, a miracle called Easter created believers. C.H. Dodd said it this way, the resurrection is not a belief that grew up within the church. It is the belief around which the church itself grew. I do not condemn doubt. I've done my own share of it. Frankly, I think a conversation with a good, honest doubter like the guy I met and told you about is fertile ground for finding faith and truth. Not to mention the fact that a truth that is truly true can certainly handle our doubts. Jesus can certainly handle our doubts. Indeed, Jesus has a history of meeting honest and searching doubters, meeting them right where they are, and giving them what they need to move beyond doubt, or in some cases, and maybe more powerfully in its own way, to move even with their doubts to faith. And I don't know where each of you all are in all of that. I do know where the disciples were, locked in that room, hiding, doubting, and afraid, and then something happened. Something happened, and when I've ever doubted, I found it really, really helpful to remember that it was precisely former doubters who went to their graves telling you and me and the world that what happened was Easter. And that because of Easter, because Jesus lives, well, are you kidding me? There's nothing ultimately in life or death efforts need to be afraid of again. So, so Jesus told Thomas to tell me to tell you something. He lives. It's in his hands. It's all in his hands. You are in his hands. Peace be with you. Amen.